1: Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs' program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every week without fail. Uh, and it's a bit difficult this week because we're one man down, but uh, we'll, we'll do our very best. And we're here to promote and to defend public education. That's education that is public in access. It's open to all children. It's the only education system that you can put together with the notion of equality of opportunity and fairness and all of those rather nice ideas that we like to think make Australians special. But it is the only one, and it doesn't matter what anybody says, it is the only one that is accessible, open to all children, whatever their background. And this is an idea that is worth fighting for. It's also a a system of education which is public in purpose and outcome. It should be public in ownership. We should own all of our schools. They shouldn't be tied up in public-private partnerships. But uh, we are still working on that. That is definitely a, um, a program in progress. And our public schools should also be the only ones that are given public money because they are the only ones that can be publicly accountable. And our politicians should have them in their sites. They should be constantly aware of our public education and give priority at all stages. This means, of course, that they should not be pouring money out the leaky sieve into the private operators' hands. But um, we know that that is not the case in Australia and as we fall behind Finland and all of the other countries that are uh, sensible about these matters, Uh, we still have to fight for these ideas. We have a website as well as this program in 3CR and that's www.adogs.info and every week we try to put up a press release and the press release this week is press release 789 because it's budget week. It is, if this budget is Scott Morrison's idea of a fair go, then it's time for Mr Morrison to go. Now, that's not original. That is a statement by Corina Haythorpe from the AEU. I'll read it again. If this budget is Scott Morrison's idea of a fair go, then it's time for Mr Morrison to go. And that's what the press release is about, this fairness notion and what actually is in the budget papers. The Morrison Government's federal budget has failed the fairness test by neglecting to put public education first. And here is the hard evidence. And I've gone into the budget papers. I've got pages and pages of them here in front of me. And you've got two very important tables. The first one Is the education and training portfolio budget related paper number 1.5? And the first table is program expenses 1.4 non government schools national support, and the second one is program expenses 1.3 government schools national support. So we have tables which show you the difference between the actual amounts that are going from Canberra through the expropriation grants, through to the non-government or the private schools and through to our public schools. And they're very interesting indeed. This is the hard evidence. We can talk forever and ever, dear listeners, about our fairness and equality and the ideas of public education, but when it gets down to the tin tax, you go to the facts and the actual amount of money. That's how you tell where a government's priorities and values are. Well, let's have a look first of all at where they've put their priorities. Mr Morrison's government, we're told, has private schools in their DNA. Or have they ever? And there's less than one third of Australians' children who now go to these schools and that number, that enrolment number is declining because they're going to the public schools uh, because of the what I call the Pell factor, the Cardinal Pell factor. He's still a Cardinal. But um, as the enrolments of our public schools are rising, because there has also been a baby boom, the amounts coming through to them from Canberra are falling in comparison to the amounts going to the private sector. Very interesting indeed. Now, in 2018-19, the estimated uh, amount of money that is going to go to the private schools throughout Australia from Mr Morrison's government is $12,019,858,000. And the amount that is going to go to two thirds, more than two thirds of the Australian children who are in our public schools is seven billion, six hundred and eighty four, four hundred and eighty five million. So isn't that interesting? You've got an idea there of the Morrison governments priorities one third gets 12 billion plus two thirds gets seven and a half billions plus then if you go forward to 2022 23 the uh and you you can see in the figures if you go up onto our website what they're going to get in 21 and 22 but going to 23 22 23 the private schools will be getting fifteen billion plus and the state schools, the public schools will be getting ten billion plus. So there you are, that's two thirds is going to one third and one third is going or well, yes. Um sorry. Uh, there's one third, yes, that's right. It's around the other way, isn't it? 15 billion and 10 billion. Two thirds are getting 10 billion and one third's getting 15 billion. Don't we live in a topsy-turvy world? Uh, well that's Mr. Morrison's world. He's got his uh, values upside down as far as we are concerned. And there's no way that any public school parent can possibly vote for Mr. Morrison. So we thought you'd be interested in that, but there's some even more interesting figures when you start getting right into the nitty-gritty. The public school figures, the government schools' national support, has only got another line of figures within within the, the total, and it's additional support for the Northern Territory. And the Northern Territory, you'll be pleased to know, is getting, first of all, 4 million more, And then, um, uh, 12 million more in another few years in 22-23. So, for some reason, there's a bit more money going up to the Northern Territory, and I assume that that's because of the parlous condition of the Aboriginal children in the Northern Territory. And for your information, uh, they've gone back to the pre-commission, uh, Where they were beating up those children, those Aboriginal children in those, um, those terrible centres. Uh, but we won't go into that just now. But the Northern Territory is going to get a bit more money in the government school or the public school, um, bundle. Part of that bundle. That seven billion to ten billion bundle. But let's go up to what's happening in the interstices of the figures for the non-government schools. Isn't non-government schools a lovely word? Isn't it a lovely neutral word? It's not the same as um, private schools or religious schools. They're just non-government. Well, that's their problem. They are non-government as far as we're concerned, uh, because we're only interested in public schools here. But we are interested in where the money's going. Now, we find that in 2019-20, 40 million is going to go to non-government representative bodies. Now, what are non-government representative bodies? 40 million, that's a lot of money. An example of a representative body would be, I assume, the Catholic Education Commission of Victoria. And the public perception of the uh, Catholic Education Commission of Victoria under Mr Elder is that it is a very effective political lobbying body. So 41, 40 million, and last year it was 41 million, would you believe, 40 million in the next year is going to go to these representative bodies namely lobbying groups who lobby on behalf of the non-government or the private sector and that kind of money 40 million also for 2021 40 million for 2122 but for some reason for some reason in 22 2022 to 23 it's going to go down to 14 million I really can't give you any kind of explanation for that, but it's 40 million for the next three or four years and it has been 41 million. So here we as taxpayers are pouring all of this money into lobbying groups for the private schools. Uh, I'm afraid as a taxpayer that worries me. And then there's another line which is even more interesting, it's called Special Circumstances Funding, and that t- was 6 million last year. And in the coming year, it's going to be nearly 3 million, and uh, then in the next year, it's going to be 1.6 and 1.6, and finally 1.662 million in 2022 23. What that means, I really don't know. It's very non-specific, isn't it? And then there's another line called the adjustment assistance, and that's 10 million last year, 12 million in the year to come, 9 million in 2021, and only 1 million in 2122, and then it peters out. So what that adjustment assistance is uh, relates presumably to the fact that, that there might be some schools that just might lose just a little bit of money because they're overfunded. And then the really interesting line is the choice and affordability fund, a choice and affordability fund. This isn't a choice and affordability, I suggest to you, dear listeners, for students because it's only the public schools that are interested in choice and affordability for students. No, this would be for parents and for administrators. Uh, and that, that comes online in 2020 2021, and it's $156 six million. Twenty twenty. 2022. Two, it's 107 million, and in 2223 it's 111 million. Now these are actually very, very big figures for very non-specific lines in a budget, and I think that Mr Morrison should be asked to please explain, especially when s- seven million is going to two-thirds of the Australian children and 12.6 million is going to... I'm sorry, that should be 8 million is going to two-thirds of the Australian children and 12 million in 2019-20 is going to one-third. Dogs note that apart from unfairness, there's evidence just in these figures of subtle corruption and not so subtle corruption of the democratic process by the private school lobby groups. But these budget figures are just more of the same according to research into the years 2010 to 2017 by Trevor Cobold of Save Our Schools. And you can go and have a look at what he has done. But what is even more worrying about his research is that as the the Liberal Party government have in fact been putting a little bit more money into our public schools, the, all of the state governments with the exception of New South Wales, and this in, they include Victoria, they have been withdrawing state money from our public schools at the same time as they are putting more money into private schools, particularly for capital grants. And this is a very worrying trend indeed. Now, governments increase the funding for the private schools while cutting our funding for public schools between 2009-10 and 2016-17, and Trevor Cobalt has these figures for you. And the total government funding, Commonwealth of State, adjusted for inflation for public schools, was cut by $163 per student compared to an increase of $1,451 for private school students. Now, according to the Australian Education Union President, Karina Haythorpe, this is going to be, education is going to be a critical federal election issue Mr. Morrison obviously doesn't think so. And I'm a bit concerned that I'm not sure that Mr. Shorten does either because he's talking more about health. He's talking about health and hoping to get a MediScare campaign up again. But in fact, he should learn from Mr. Andrews because the Victorian election was most definitely a public school election. But um, Mr. Morrison, according to Corina Haythorpe, has once again just demonstrated his lack of leadership on the issues of public school funding. And she is specific. With this federal budget, the Morrison Government's insults to public education include there's no restoration of the $14 in the public school funding cuts, there's no capital works funding for public schools, only a one-off $200,000 per electorate for libraries, classrooms and play equipment, while private schools continue in- to enjoy a $1.9 billion capital works fund. There's no guarantee of ongoing permanent funding for 15 hours of preschool for four-year-old children and no funding for three-year-olds. There's no reversal of the $3 billion they've cut from the VET since they elected. And I'd like to talk about VET a little bit later in the program. 525 million over five years to upgrade the VET sector with not a single mention of TAFE in the budget papers. In other words, this is a budget for private VET providers. And in fact, there is talk about handing all of the TAFE sector over to um, private providers. And a bit later I want to let you have a look at some figures or I want to put up some figures comparing what TAFE funding or even VET funding is like in comparison to university funding. So Scott Morrison has proven once and for all that his idea of a fair go means a fair go for some and not a fair go for all. He's cut billions of dollars from public schools and given billions extra to private schools. And this is in spite of this, the enrolment trends are towards public education. The budget has left 99% of public schools under the schooling resource standard and without the additional funding they need for smaller class sizes, more one-on-one teaching and more support for students with disability. Unfairness and an attack on public education is the obvious catch-cry catch for the Labor-Green opposition. But we're not yet hearing it, dear listeners. Perhaps we should remind Mr Shorten that uh, there are plenty of independents out there and we're a bit sick of both parties. But this is the dog's position. The glaring inequalities between taxpayer funding of the private sector at the expense of the public sector has been largely caused by taxpayer funding of the private sector in the first place. The only long-term answer to the problems caused by state aid is the abolition of state aid to private schools. Finland, Germany and other countries with successful education systems have done it long ago. Australia did do it. We did it for 80 years in the 19th century, and when we did it, we too were world leaders in education. When will we ever learn? So that is the press release, nine, sorry, seven, eight, nine, and you can read it and for yourself have a look at all those facts and figures uh, at www.adogs.info. Yeah. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial on a Saturday afternoon, a balmy Saturday autumn afternoon. Hasn't the weather been lovely? But wouldn't it be nice to have some rain? Well, I think it's very important we need rain to rain down on Mr Morrison's electoral parade. And the teacher unions and the Fair Funding Group have got a wish list. Uh, And we're going to read out this wish list to you because if you are a parent or a teacher, then you can be quizzing your local members, the people who think that they would like to sit on those benches up in Canberra and actually represent us. But over to Dale. Thanks, Jean.
0: Yes, I've got uh, the Journal of New South Wales Teachers Federation and uh, the 2019 campaign priorities. There's a list of 10 and they go. Number one, all public schools to be funded to 100% of the schooling resource standard to ensure that all teachers are equipped with the necessary resources to meet student need. Two, a growth in permanent positions for qualified teachers 3 investment in statewide system support for teaching and learning four, the provision of high quality public school infrastructure in every community 5 repeal of unjust federal and state industrial laws that restrict the rights of all workers 6 industrial rights for teachers to pursue significant increases in salaries 7. Guaranteed government funding of TAFE of at least 70% plus the abolition of the market model in vocational education and training. 8. The restoration of public provision of education in New South Wales correctional facilities. 9. The recognition of teacher professional judgment through the restoration of teacher-driven pedagogy and assessment. And number 10 the protection of teaching qualifications and high teaching standards, including initial teacher education entry requirements.
1: Yes, well, isn't that an interesting list? It's not the sort of list that we found in Mr Um, Morrison's budget, which had very little on the government sector list, and some very strange lines, budget lines in the so-called non-government, or really the private school list. Uh, the point, of course, that we should make is that those billions of dollars, 12 billions of dollars, that will be going to the private school sector, uh, there is almost no accountability, and in fact where they should have been sending money to disadvantaged students that hasn't reached them. And we're not just making this up. This is the finding of the Commonwealth Auditor-General and it's also been the finding of the Victorian Auditor-General. The people whose duty it is, uh, the regulators, call them what you will, have been making noises about this. But there seems to be no punishment. There just seems that this bad behaviour, because it is very bad behaviour. In fact, it's very worrying and corrupt behaviour is being uh, rewarded. Mr Morrison is rewarding bad behaviour. Well, we've heard about this before, of course, and we've heard about the terrible consequences of rewarding bad behaviour. But we won't go there just at the moment because this is a schools program. So um, we'll have a little break, and a bit more music and then we'll go over to America to see what's happening there.
2: government schools we are the dogs DOGS defenders of government schools every week on the dog program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school if you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending Brunswick Secondary
0: State College. schools are great Parkaway Primary State school,
2: States. Sunshine North Primary
0: School. They're really school.
3: concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning.
2: Like You put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking...
3: Actually, cook? an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More
2: than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah,
3: definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into the school.
0: Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades... In a weekly
3: assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words, it is
2: actually So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom.
3: just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning.
2: State schools are great schools.
0: Great state schools.
1: Well, here we are back on the Dogs program, through eight fifty-five on the AM dial. And if you want to find out more about us, you can go to www.adogs.info. And we've had a very pleasant surprise. Robert has just breezed in. Welcome, Rob. <laughs>
2: Yes, yeah, good to be here in the studio at three CR eight five five on the AM dial and podcast on the www. I pro- I apologise to my listeners for not being in the studio over the last couple of weeks, but um, needs is my driver and I go where I must. But what I must do right now is um tell you what's going on in the United States when it comes to education policy. Um. Now, very rarely, and Jean will tell you this, very rarely do I call anything evil in the world. You know, there's good and there's bad. There's good intentions that go Australia and there's bad intentions that we, must, that we must prevent because we are the defenders of government schools and the government school system in Australia, indeed around the world, is one of the great great good things that civilization has brought us in this late 20th and 21st century. But something evil has happened in, in the United States and I, I find it absolutely... It's it's beyond stunning. It's something that, if if a senior politician had said it in years gone by, they would have lost their job or they have been sacked. Um, but the education secretary in the United States is a woman called Betsy DeVos. Uh, Betsy DeVos is a very wealthy woman who um, has a stated, sort of a, a stated dislike of public education, even though she is the education secretary of of the United States of America. Um, while answering um, questions put to her by committees um, of the U.S. Congress, um, she was uh, she came out with an extraordinary statement. And the statement she came out with, and I find this actually just evil. This "Big class sizes are good because then the children have more people to collaborate with, and collaborative learning is something that we must encourage." Now, in, on itself, that just sounds like a like a statement, like like many other statements that various educationalists and teachers and politicians will make but if you really think about it the Education Secretary of the United States of America has stated that big class sizes that is to cram the largest number of children in front of a teacher as you possibly can is good for the children because then they have more people to do group work with and of course that's a good thing now this is what she said now if I were a foreign agent that wished to destroy the United States of America, one of the things I'd do is I would destroy their education system and so that the, the largest number of people in America would have the poorest education they possibly could. And one of the most simple and effective ways you can do that is um, increase the number of students that are in front of a teacher in a classroom um, on a day-to-day, week-to-week, year-to-year basis. I just find that extraordinary. Um, she should be sacked. She should be sacked immediately. Um, by, by, well, the President of the United States, somebody. Um, but I think Donald Trump's doubled down and said, so yeah, it's good, you know, all this group. I mean, it's just, she should have put at the end of that, you know, to have large class sizes means that poor people can have lots of friends to work with, because certainly that wouldn't be the case for her and any of her any rich friends. He wouldn't go to a, a rich school in the United States of America that would advertise saying we have big class sizes here. This is one of our great selling points because it means that everyone gets to work with more friends. Sorry, I, I just find that whole, the, whole, the whole thing just, evil, oh, but Betty it's just DeVos.
1: evil. Betty DeVos is about charter schools. It's about schools for profit. Yes. So um, you, you have to make profits, profiteering out of poor children. Yes. Are you, uh, not out of rich people. You, you can know. make profits
2: out of rich people, I'm sure, but that's not the way you do it.
1: But separately,
2: um, in Massachusetts, it's very interesting, on Diane Rebich's blog on the April the 3rd, so just last week, um, in Massachusetts, the civil rights script come up, um, the teachers' unions are demanding withdrawal of various test questions because they're out-and-out racist. Now, this is the United States of America we're talking about here and has a very troubled history of race relations and you think they would have worked it out by now in 2019, but oh, no! And I quote, in response to accounts about racially troubling questions embedded in this year's 10th grade English language arts exams, The Massachusetts Teachers Association, the Boston Teachers Union, the American Federation of Teachers, um, the Massachusetts Education Justice Alliance and the New England Area Conference of of Teachers are demanding that the test immediately be pulled when the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education did not score any exams that included a question concerning material from Colson Weisshead's novel The Underground Railroad. The organisation further insists that this examination group ends the gag order imposed on students and educators, barring them from discussing the contents of the exams. Educators and students are forced to sign confidentiality agreements saying they will not reveal the questions or even discuss the contents. Students could have had their test scores tossed out. Educators could lose their licence to teach and people could just lose their jobs. Now, the educators and students have reported that The passage from the thing which is so offensive, which is called the underground radio, the underground railroad, I should say, is to have students write a journal entry from the perspective of the character Ethel, who is openly racist and betrays the slaves who were trying to escape. For all of the unconscionable aspects of standardized testing, this group that written the test has imposed a new layer of trauma, particularly for students of colour, forcing students to read a tiny excerpt of the book, produce a quick answer about related relations embodying a racist perspective, and then stifle the complicated emotions that emerge from that process. So this I suppose in the Australian context would be equivalent to say, Well, there's been a massacre in fact, there's been many massacres in Australia. There's been a massacre of Indigenous people that involving hundreds and hundreds of people being killed. We'd like you to write an essay in Year 10 from the perspective of the person who committed the massacre, please. Now, if you are an Indigenous person, that's just offensive. And if you're not an Indigenous person, that can lead to all sorts of ideas and trauma involved in the process. Well, is this right or wrong? We're forming people's – so there are some places, and I don't believe in censorship, but there are some places on an exam which is marked for your educational future, there are some places where asking children to participate in the thought exercise of being a racist person is just not, not appropriate. In, as a classroom exercise, Gene, you're an educator, I'm sure you'd appreciate to get different perspectives is one thing, but on a testable exam that means you know determines which university you go to, demanding that you take the perspective of a racist person in in, in a thought experiment and essay, I think is just a load of oh, it's just stupid. So well, what are murderer, they
1: doing? A murderer too. A murderer as well, yes, mm-hmm.
2: indeed. So that's what's going on in the in the others. The place is turning into. A, I don't know, what was it the President said um, when the white supremacists rallied in in, in Charlottesville? There's really good people on both sides of the argument. And here in Australia, and just, I don't know, we don't want to get too party political, and I'm not going to get party political, but many conservative politicians and are talking about left-wing activists and racists, saying, well, you know, they're both equally as dangerous. Um, to the Australian polity. They're both equally as dangerous. So people who get up and rally and protest, protest against people who are demonstrably, demonstrably of evil intent in terms of either saying or specifically hiding the fact that they wish there to be a return to the white Australia policy. If you, if, if I get up on the street corner and say these people should not say what they're saying these people should not think what they think and they are wrong to say what they say and think what they think I then become an equal and opposite problem to the person who said it in the first place I find that strange I find people like John ruskin strange I feel people like Barnaby Joyce strange I feel, I feel sometimes people like our Prime Minister currently are just strange to vilify me for getting up and saying, for, for, to vilify me for getting up and saying, no, that's wrong. To vilify here at the Dogs for saying, actually, no, the only education system in Australia that should be funded by all of us is one that's open and accessible to all of us, to be vilified for saying that and told that I'm part of the problem. I find, well, offensive is too strong on the word, um, it's the wrong word, actually. I just find it wrong. I find it curious. I find it strange.
1: Don't worry, Robert. From the very beginning, the dogs back in 1964 were called sectarian. That was always Mm said. It's called projection. The psychologists will tell you it's called projection. The other side project what they are onto you.
2: Yes, on on that deep psychological note, I think we'll have a bit of a break.
4: We appreciate, like, you mob and all the people coming and visit us and doing stuff like this, you know, it's very good. It keeps a positive mindset in our mind, you know, and we really appreciate it.
5: Because of her we care. yeah. I wanna be a better, better man yeah, Because
0: of well, we can Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project Giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria You can listen to audio from this year and previous years online anytime
3: How do you rehabilitate someone? They just put you in a cell and tell you this is how long you're gonna do And it's meant to rehabilitate you, you know Rehabilitation starts when you get out that's when your life begins again, doesn't it? In here, yeah. your life's on hold.
0: Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. Or if you'd like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 8377. When I first come to this
1: jail was about 10 years ago, and, and I was a young one. I wait for young ones come off the truck there the other day, and... They call me Annie Marlene so it helped me recognize and realize it like pull myself up like ER they're starting to look up to me so I've got to represent and do the right thing now
0: of her can. just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars yeah, yeah.
5: like an you know way back am failing I am, I am on the world
1: Sail for Human Rights, Indigenous Sovereignty and Climate Justice. Our destination is Manus Island. Join us for the Freedom Flotilla. Sailforjustice.org. Get on board. A 3CR supporter. I promised, oh, we're back in the dogs program, dear listeners. And a bit earlier in this program, I promised that I'd give you a few figures on vet uh, funding and compare it with uh, university funding. Now, there's a couple of figures which I find of great interest. Uh, One of them is the Commonwealth Grant Scheme. That's a $7.2 billion at the university level. Uh, And there's another smaller amount of $428.4 million, uh, which goes to a higher education support and in that you have some interesting uh, bits and pieces, like uh, ladies who want to go have STEM careers, and uh, there is a national institute's 222 million. Uh, oh, sorry, 226.7 million. Uh, what that exactly means, I cannot tell you. But if you go over, you're dealing there with big figures, seven, seven billion. But if you go over to the VET, VET student loans, the loan scheme, uh, you find that you're only in the realm of 1.3 billion in the coming year, 2019 to 20. I'm only giving you yearly figures, not four year figures the way or, or decade figures the way the government does, because I think that Nobody knows what's going to happen, even in the next few months, let alone the next year. But I find that, that um, comparison between uh, Commonwealth grant scheme for universities of seven billion and the vet loan scheme of 1.3 billion a very interesting one. It shows you where the values really are. With the wealthy students, wealthier students that go to university and the students that go uh, to what appear to be TAFE programs, although a lot of them are in now private institutions that are run for profit. But the interesting thing is the verbiage. Expected achievement on VET student loans, the proportion of students surveyed reports studying for business or job-related reasons remain stable or increases from the previous year, and the proportion of debt not expected to be repaid is stable or reduces from the previous year, but there is no figure, no figure for the hex debt or the VET debt. No figure in, that I can find in these budget documents. And that is the really interesting figure. And whether or not those debts should be forgiven for our young people who are trying to get into uh, the jobs and get a house and start a family. If ever there was a call for intergenerational conflict, it is this but uh, there's no evidence of any of that. But um, that's just some figures, some ideas for you. Well, now back to Robert and state school that's a great school.
2: Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment... To show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State State schools. schools School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Welcome back. We've got Great State School today. And the Great State School today is not actually in Victoria. It's not in Queensland. It's not in fact in Australia at all. It's down on a little southern island called Tasmania. Um, the school I'm going to talk about is actually one of my alma mater's. I went to school here many, many years ago. It's called these days the Elizabeth College. Now the Elizabeth College is an interesting place. It's a state school. It's run by the government and it costs around about $14,000 per kid per year, so it's it's up there, except it only educates kids in year 11 and 12. In Tasmania for many years, they have what they call matric colleges which is you do your leaving certificate to year to year 10 um, in one school and then you continue on in a completely different place different location. It's called a matric college you do year 11 and year 12. Basically it's for almost grown-ups who want to go on to uni or want to do other things. So it's A 20th century idea, late 20th century idea, which, of course, is based on the idea that you need to have more than about 10 years' worth of education to survive in the workplace. And so, therefore, if you're going to be treated like a young adult when you're 16 and 17 and 18, then you go to a place where you are treated like an adult and you learn like one.
1: These matric colleges were, in fact, introduced... Uh, by a president of the De- Defence of Government Schools, a gentleman who was a regional director called Bruce Ross. Indeed, uh,
2: yeah. Indeed. good old Bruce Ross. Now, the, the, the Elizabeth College is where I went to school many years ago. It's also where David Walsh went to school and various other people. It's produced some interesting people if you consider me interesting. I think, I think, I think the per- person who set up Mona down in, in Haybarth is definitely an interesting person. Um, look, it does it on the cheap and it does some really interesting things. Now, just I haven't got any NAPLAN results for it, because they don't do NAPLAN in Year 11 and 12, but their completion rates are very good. In fact, they still produce at Elizabeth College, which is in the northern suburbs of Hobart, which are the more socioeconomically challenged suburbs of Hobart, if you you know anything about Hobart at all. It's not all fine wine and and yachts. Uh, There's places in Hobart which have great disadvantage, and Elizabeth College serves those places up in the north, Glenorchy, and Moona. Roselle, all those places on the Western Shore. Again, you'd have to know more about it. You just have to trust me on this one. Um, There are colleges you go to if you don't come from those places. But Elizabeth College is actually focused over many years, in fact it was a leader at the time that I was there, in information technology resources and programs. It's got a technology centre, internet access, dozens of computer laboratories, and it still has an outstanding library. Um, And of course there's 70 different enrichment activities on offer for young people throughout the year and coupled with an extensive staff to student counselling program. There's about 90 teachers and staff there and there's about a thousand kids. So if you do the maths, this is cheap education, but it's effective education. It's what state education should be for. It is accountable, it is effective and it's efficient. It's doing amazing stuff. Um... So the school itself um, has produced extraordinary people and continues to do so. Um, It has far better results if you do it on a sort of disadvantage weighting than any other school on the island, Elizabeth College. does extraordinary things. No school is perfect um, and no student is perfect. I know that I wasn't. Um, But in terms of the way they do it, I thought it would be a good thing to highlight that in places like Tasmania, there's some really interesting things that are going on because they've been going on for a while to highlight the fact that 17- and 18-year-olds aren't treated like children in Tasmania, they're treated like young adults. And whereas the Matric College, is what it used to be called, was to prepare people for university, now it's not. It has as many students doing vocational programs down there as they are doing pre-tertiary courses. So it's not a one-size-fits-all, but it's perhaps a model that many other places in Australia would be looking at. So for that reason alone, it is our great state school of the
5: week.
1: For three years teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this
5: government. I'm
3: proud product of a government funded primary school education and of a government funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the
1: world. It's still not good enough that kids with disability miss out.
5: Our education is not for profit Our education is
0: not for profit You're listening to The Dogs The Defence of Government Schools On 3CR
5: Well
2: that's that's your lot for the DOGS program. We've been on the air now for well, decades and decades and decades, and we have to come back again next week. Um, not that we want to be here. I mean, we, we want the problems to be solved. We want um, fair and equitable funding for the state education systems of Australia so that every child has a right to gold standard, uh, free. Well, I say free, paid by me and you, um, but free at, point of, free at point of purchase, free at point of entry, uh, free, equitable, fair and undiscriminatory education system. So we haven't got that yet, so we have to keep filing. We'll be back again next week to do it. But, of course, just the dogs program, we have to be here because of those reasons. And this week, of course, we've been talking about Scott Morrison's budget. We've been talking about great state schools. We've been talking about what's going on in America. Because on community radio, this is where you hear the stuff you don't hear on other places, on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Just to remind you, if you're listening to this program on a podcast, uh, then you already know that it can be podcast. But if you're listening to us live um, on the AM dial at 855, um, and there's anything we've said you want to check, or there's a past program you want to catch up on, and just recently you had a real, some real caucus. Uh The one with the student rally was fascinating. Um, I get onto that podcast at the 3CR website, which is www.3cr.org.au. And you can download the podcast there. Or indeed, you can get to the 3CO website from the DOGS website, which is www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. If you want to go through and check all the figures on Gene's press release about Scott Morrison's budget. I refuse to call him scammer. Anyone who gives themselves a nickname doesn't deserve one as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Um, yeah, so if you want to check the figures, you want to check check what Gene's on about, you can. And, of course, if you want to go and podcast us, you can at those websites that I just mentioned. And if you have a great state school that you'd like us to review and have a look at, please call us. Um, you can just get on the phone, nine four one nine eight three double four. 94198344 4 during business hours. Leave a message for the dog program saying this is really great school. Um, Rob, can you check it out? I'll do it straight away. I'll get right on it. You're my boss as far as I'm concerned because you're the community here on 3CR Community Radio.
4: I dreamed I saw joy here night, alive as you and me, says I, but you're here ten years dead, I never died, says he, I never died, says he, in Salt Lake City, just as I am standing by my bed, They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I did. Says Joe, but I did. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man. Says Joe, I didn't die Says Joe, I didn't die And standing there as big as life And smiling with his eyes Says Joe, what they can never kill